Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Consciouspreneur. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, and today we're speaking with Anthony Lore. Oh my goodness, I just practiced this. (laughs) Help me out, Anthony. LaRubio. LaRubio. Yep. Anthony LaRubio. Anthony is a certified breathwork coach, a Wim Hof method instructor, and a transformational travel designer. His winding path through the grind of modern life as a two-time founder and three-time CEO finally gave way to his launch of Recal, a company that specializes in mindfulness and adventure travel, operating retail style, excuse me, operating retreat style trips designed to combat the effects of burnout. Anthony and this team of coaches and guides combine breathwork, meditation, and nature immersion to help trip attendees recalibrate their mind and their body in the outdoors. Anthony, I'm, uh, even though I apologize, I, I'm not fluent with your name yet, but I am super excited <laughs> to, to talk with you on these topics. Um, before we yeah. you know, hit record on this today, it was really like we could do a whole conversation just on breath work. We could do a whole conversation on, on travel, and we're going to kind of combine those today. Yeah, sounds good. No, thank, thanks a lot for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> Excellent. You also said that we could start out with some breath work that might um, help us center and be present for this conversation, both for you and I in this moment and then for the listeners as they are listening to this podcast. Yep. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned that you had a meeting a little bit before this, which, of course, that's kind of the type of life that we're in where we go from meeting to meeting. You even, I think, said you had to follow up after the meeting and digest a few things, write them down, follow up to do items, and then you jumped into this. So I can only imagine that your mind is still, of course, thinking about the the things that you were just working on. So I have a practical, very practical um, breathwork exercise that we can do to just kind of recenter, flush out the old, kind of bring in a new sense of energy to ourselves to bring to this conversation. And um, it, yeah, if, if you're interested, I'm, I'm happy to run us through that. Hundred percent. I'm all in. Sounds good. Cool. So this is specifically called um, a performance breathing. Um, that's the name that was given by an, an author and a breath worker named Jesse Coomer, um, someone that I've I've learned a lot from over my brief time, really in the breathwork realm. It's a, a pattern breathing called a four one eight. So it kind of uses the you know, box breathing square type of configuration, but we're just doing three sides of the breathing. So again, a four, one, eight, which means we're going to breathe in on a four count. We're going to hold just for a one count, almost like a little pause, little reset button, and then breathe out on an eight count. So a little bit of a longer breath out. Um, that actually specifically helps kind of downregulate our nervous system to kind of like, instead of riding a a wave of emotions. Potentially this is kind of bringing ourselves down, calming, a little bit more focus brought to the table. So again, performance breathing is what it's called, a 4-1-8 pattern. And that's in on a four count, holding for one, out on an eight count. And I can lead us through that now. 
I have one question. Yes. Does it matter if you breathe through your nose or through your mouth for this? Oh, great question. Yep. Um, I do prefer doing this through the nose. Most of the breathing that I do that's at this type of pace, unless I'm doing an, a real activation style breathwork, like like a, a Wim Hof style, which even then sometimes I do the nose. I do mouth occasionally on that, but most of the time I breathe through the nose. Okay. All right. I'm ready to follow your lead. <laughs> yeah, through the nose. So you can go ahead and just, uh, it, it appears that you're sitting down. Hopefully everybody out there that might be doing this is also potentially sitting down. Uh, one warning, do not do this if you are driving and listening to the podcast. Maybe just take notes of us doing this now and then you can do it maybe when you get to the office or get home or wherever it is that you're heading. So don't do this. And also don't do this if you are sitting on water or in water currently. So a couple of okay. brief warnings there. Um, so again, we're doing a 418 breathing. Uh, one note to focus, when we get to that one second hold, I want you just to feel like you're hitting the reset button. So that's the only cue that I'll throw your way. Feel like you're hitting the reset button. Maybe allow yourself to just relax the shoulders on that one second hold. And, uh, and I think that'll do some wonders. So you're sitting down, go ahead and relax your shoulders down. Take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your nose. You can close your eyes if they're open and if you're comfortable closing them. And we'll begin by just blowing any air out that you have in your lungs now. Just exhale that out. And now you can breathe in, two, three, four, hold, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, two, three, four, Pause, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. In, pause, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One more. In, two, three, four, pause, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You can take a deep breath in now and relax with a nice little sigh, breathing that out. Okay. So hopefully we just hit that reset button. Wow. It, it's amazing. Like sometimes I think I know things, something about something and then I experience it again. And it reminds me that I know very uh, only a very small bit about it. But what I experienced on this is is uh, I appreciated that cue about the reset, giving myself permission mm -hmm. to reset mm -hmm. for this next activity, right, that I'm engaging in. Um, and I felt it down uh, the sides of my back, just kind of like just settling in and and I felt really grounded in my seat. That's good. You use the full 360 degrees of the breath. Sometimes sometimes we have a habit of just using our upper chest or even just the front abdominal region, but to use the full 360 degrees, that's good that you felt that there, actually. Um, nice work. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you for centering us for this conversation. Um, I'm also feeling like I can speak slower now. My, I tend to speak very quickly. 
So this is something I'll remember to use when I want to slow down not only my thoughts, but also my speech. Yeah. So as we move into this, again, thank you for creating the space for us. Um, what I'd like to dig into first is your past experience. Um, you and I, when we first met and we were, I was telling you about the conscious entrepreneur. And again, for the listener, if you haven't heard uh, what the pillars of conscious entrepreneurship is, there's four values. One is that the conscious entrepreneur is in business to make the world a better place, and they care deeply about people, profit, and planet. So we have purpose, people, profit, and planet. And Anthony, as you were describing your your experience to me, you described yourself as something of a convert. I, I don't know if that's the word you used or if I used, um, into conscious entrepreneurship. So tell me a little bit about what you were doing, these these past experiences that you've had in founding and, and being a CEO, and then a little bit about your transformation. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think we can roll with with the title convert, definitely. Um, okay. My, my previous stint uh, did not have, it maybe had one or two of the pillars that you just outlined for a consciouspreneur, but it certainly didn't, I think, embody what what you've created around this concept of, of consciouspreneur. So, um, yeah, so my, my first go around, I was... I was a, a startup entrepreneur um, out of college, basically uh, started a company actually while in college initially. Um, it was a class project, um, a business plan kind of competition. Um, and I, I started a company, uh, it was a distillery. So we made all sorts of alcoholic beverages. It was a uh, 2011 or 12 or so, which was kind of a sexy time to start a distillery, a craft distillery. Um, and I think at the time, you know, my energy was into creating something, um, also potentially uh, going through the motions of what I felt like success looked like, I would say. Um, you know, in college and in the college that, that I, I went to maybe in particular, and I'm sure on college campuses all around, I think there is this very sexy image of what an entrepreneur is or can be and to be a startup founder. Um, and I probably like many others out there, maybe gravitated toward that energy for what I believe it could be for me. Kind of like sort of the, the shoulds that are out there in the world. Oh, you should start a company. You should do this. I think I was really thinking, all right, I'm, I'm an undergrad. There's a lot of support and resources around me to start a company now. Um, so I think that's what I should do. It, it seemed fitting. So I did, and I pursued that. Um, and I do... Can I interrupt you? Yeah, yeah, Can go I ahead. Can I interrupt you here? Absolutely. Um, so describe a little bit about the, the sexy image. Who did you think you would be once you started this distillery business? Um, I mean, I know it was maybe just a distillery, but I was planning on being Steve Jobs. I, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know uh, Great. that I had any other image in mind. Um, mm -hmm. And the irony of it all was I actually took an internship while in college to go work at Apple in Cupertino. And I did not take the return offer to pursue my startup. So I thought I was being the Steve Jobs guy, not by working for the man or, or the big corporation. Um, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, that, that is, I don't know. I, I, I hope you maybe get the, the image profile that I'm building there with Steve Jobs. I mean, kind of the, the 
the, I don't know. Um, I think our image of an entrepreneur these days, um, I think people looked up to a lot of times like athletes or superstars or rock stars or people in pop culture. And I think lately, especially I think when I was coming through college, there was this new wave of, of cool person out there, the Elon Musk of the world, the Steve Jobs, the, um, I don't even remember Evan Spiegel, I think is his name from Snapchat. I mean, they're the ones now, you know, like, I don't know, dating the supermodels, so to speak. I mean, and, and I don't align with the, any of those types of like ways of thinking necessarily, but, but I'm just saying that that is like the cachet, I guess, around being an entrepreneur these days. And so part of me was uh, wanting to, to join that, that race in a way that, that image. Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. that. Thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so you have this image, you have some shoulds on how to get to this image. How did that, uh, sh- how did that play out for you? Yeah, well, so yeah, we, we created the, the distillery. It was a spinoff from a class project. Um, it took a few years to really find where our spot in the market was for, for our product and our offering and everything. Um, but we did eventually find that and started to pick up some speed. Um, and, and it was, it was great in some ways. Um, I, you know, I, I think I remember feeling the energy around building something and that was really special to me and starting to employ people and employing full-time people and, and moving from small little garage space type of location to a bigger one and then buying a building down the road because we had to expand and um, buying trucks and buying new equipment. And, and then eventually, you know, we, we were turning profit enough to go ahead and get, you know, commercial debt financing for big projects. I mean, it really started to turn into something. And I did have a lot of pride in that. I, I feel like a lot of my identity was wrapped up in, I am the startup, the CEO of this business that employs uh, 50 employees or so was kind of like at, at the height of, of my, my, my tenure there. Um, and I think a lot of my identity was also, you know, wrapped up in, in being the startup co-founder and CEO. Um, that's how a lot of people knew me. And I, and so with that image and the set of titles that come with that, I think the thing that I was really struggling with oftentimes was uh, the title I don't think I could really give myself was um, happy or satisfied, satisfied certainly, or fulfilled in some ways. Um, there was definitely something missing and I didn't quite know what it was um, definitely at the time. Um, so... How did you notice this nagging feeling? Was it just a quiet little voice in the back of your head? Were there more obvious signs? Yeah. um, Well, I think one of the things that really, that that was nagging at me or was creating friction, well, there were a couple of things. Number one, the feeling of, of never feeling like I was in the right place. Um, Like, constantly only thinking about that future state of myself and not ever feeling that where I'm at now is actually an okay place to be. Um, and I think that comes with, uh, 
I don't know, external pressures, internal pressures. I think a lot of people can probably relate to, to not feeling good with where they're at now. And they're constantly thinking of that future state and constantly seeking that, seeking that. And then it just so happens when you finally get to the quote unquote there, you're already thinking about the next there. So, you know, you've never quote unquote made it. Um, so that is, that is definitely something, but, but there was something more to me on, even in the day to day, um, I felt very uncomfortable with just getting behind my computer and sitting there for like hours on end and, and getting into my office and having four walls enclosed around me. And a lot of what I was doing was disconnected with um, nature. For example, I really felt this longing to be out in nature and to, uh, I, I don't know. I just felt like I wasn't living my full version of my human self. I think, I think is really what it comes down to. And because I was in this position that demanded a lot from me and had a lot of responsibilities to it, I was just constantly serving those responsibilities and serving the people that I, that were relying on me on making the right decisions and keeping this business moving forward for their life and livelihood and lifestyle and everything. And so, um, but I always felt this longing to be doing something else other than the work right in front of me in my, the four walls of my, my office. I think that is a, a common um, experience with entrepreneurs, right? Starting out with we having, we have this idea of what it will mean for us to have this business and to start this business and be the founder, the CEO, right? We have this, this image. Um, and, and then, um, the work starts, right? And a lot of the work may align with our strengths, may not align with our strengths, and and we face challenges. Um, but what I'm hearing in in your story is really listening to that longing. Use that word a few times: a longing to be outside, longing to be connected. Um, and I think a lot of us ignore those longings, right? Going back to your idea of the shoulds. Right, I should be working on this. I should be doing this. I sh- because this is the image, right? Again, I've I've got this image of who I want to be, and so I've got all these shoulds that are going to get me there. And yet, when I'm sitting at where I'm at right now, I'm not happy with this. I don't I don't enjoy this. Um, so I, I appreciate you being willing to share and being vulnerable with with that part of your story because I think we often have that experience, but we're afraid that oh, somehow I'm screwing up here, right? I've got this vision, I've got this path, I can see it very clearly, and yet that's not what I want anymore. How did you give yourself permission to listen to that longing? Um, oh my, uh, Mary, I don't, I don't think I gave myself that permission, actually. Um, it was a whole set of other, other circumstances, I think, that actually outside my power that, that ended up pushing me down that route of, of discovering what the next thing was. Um, and that, that leads to a little bit of, you know, my, my, uh, the dip, so to speak, I guess, uh, uh, in a period of my life. Um, I, to, I mean, would you, would you like me to go into that, that dip, I guess, of how exactly I ended up finding what, what it is that I'm passionate I, about? Yes. I would. And again, I appreciate your willingness to share the story because I think a lot of us find ourselves in this space where I've got this path of shoulds and yet my heart is telling me something else. So if you're not listening to that longing, what, ha- what how does the universe or God or whatever your, your label for that is, how do you get these messages? How did you get those messages? 
Yeah. Well, it was definitely external. So the universe, God, whatever, you know, uh, powers that be were making this happen. I was settling for just continuing to go about my life that way. But, but I'm sure even some other people within the company, my co-founder at the time, he may have actually noticed that this wasn't the right thing um, for me to be doing possibly. And that's actually a really on, that's a, a hard truth pill to swallow sometimes when someone knows something that maybe you don't, and then they even take action, uh, whether um, against your will or, or not. Um, that That's a little challenging, but but basically, you know, my co-founder and I, who we had been running the business for almost eight years at that point, um, we started to not see eye to eye on the direction of the business, um, just kind of fundamentally, which is a classic um, startup entrepreneur path sometimes. Um, and and in kind of a, a set of unfortunate circumstances for me, um, things kind of came to a head. I was sort of the odd man out in the situation in terms of voting rights on, on the company and some other things. And, and I was actually kind of the one cast out of the business and, and he maintained control of the business and kind of continued to run that. Um, that was very hard for me to process that whole, I mean, it really was tragic for me to be completely honest. I mean, it was pretty traumatic and, um, and without allowing myself probably the amount of time necessary to digest all of that. Um, another opportunity emerged for me the same week that I was ousted from my own company um, to join a private equity firm um, as an operating partner. Uh, my role specifically was like the turnaround person. So I would be the one to go on site to the businesses that we would acquire and quote unquote, turn them around in some way, carve them out from a, cor- a corporate parent entity that we're buying this segment of a business from or division and stand up the functions of the business and run it and figure out where the inefficiencies were are and you know what type of human capital changes we need to make i mean all of those very hard uh, at times ruthless sort of measures to turn a profit um and i i really Again, I didn't give myself enough time to process what just happened with my own company. And I jumped headfirst into this role with a private equity firm. And that showed me a side of business that previously I hadn't really seen before. I I kind of relate it to my previous role was building businesses and my new role was kind of breaking them down in order to turn as much of a profit as possible. Um, for, For who? For a couple of individuals to, you know, make more money basically at the end of the day. And that I was not, I again, didn't feel like I was doing what I felt inside. I, I quote unquote had passion for and, and what I, I really think I, the mark I should be leaving on the world. But again, I was pursuing something at that point in time, which I had not gained from my startup experience because through the breakup with the co-founder, I was left with, what I thought was going to be financial freedom from having built that business, that did not come my way. So then at this point, all I'm doing and all I'm thinking about is pursuing the financial reward of turning around these businesses. And and again, there's a misalignment, I think, with what I was chasing after versus what I'm truly passionate about in my gut to be doing. So um, inevitably, you know, that path had had a 
a, uh, a detour sign in front of it eventually. And, um, and after doing this, you know, transformational role on two different companies for the private equity firm, I was, I mean, and they were very, very tough, um, just long hour days. I mean, really an insane, um, endurance run style and type of, of business making there. I, I was just ground down, um, to the bone. I was burnt out to, to, of course, use, use the word that I, I think a lot of people today suffer with. Um, to the point that I had just lost my sense of purpose, um, who I am, what I'm doing, my sense of motivation. I mean, really everything was just gone for me. Um, every small thing to do in a day was so hard to do. And that was an unusual position for me, I think, because I thought I had brought so much energy to the world previously. Um, and actually all I, the only thing that I, the thing that I did was the only thing I thought I could do at a moment, which was, go out into nature, engage my body, be physically active, see things that I hadn't seen before, give myself that opportunity that I had had previously um, not done to... Right, you denied yourself those right. pleasures, right? Exactly. Because you were too busy. <laughs> right, exactly. And and yes, so that was the first time I ever gave myself the permission, I guess, to go, to go pursue these things on my own. And, and I remember, um, the thought that was going through my mind and maybe people, um, can relate to this as well in, in a role that demands a lot from you and you have a lot of responsibilities and you have people reporting into you and the flood of information is just overwhelming. It is so noisy and you're constantly on and your phone is buzzing and you're pulled into this and that meeting. And I remember thinking, I just want to turn it off. Just hit the off button. And I never had been able to do that before. And so when giving myself this permission, so to speak, um, in renting a camper van and deciding I was going to stay for 30 days in a camper van and, and travel around, um, I remember just use, thinking of that metaphor. Okay, when I get in this camper van, I'm turning the volume down. And that was, uh, I mean, truly, it was incredible. I had never experienced quiet like that before. And it was really uncomfortable, to be honest with you. I mean, I bet. I remember day two of my trip or so, I remember thinking, okay, today, when I get up from this campsite, I'm going to get to the next campsite by a certain time. And I had this time in my mind of like when I was going to go. And then I remember being like six minutes over the time I said I was going to pull out from the parking spot. And I felt so much guilt and shame. I didn't hit that timing that I told myself I was going to. And then... I had this like moment of just clarity, like, wait, who cares? Like who actually cares when I get to the next campsite? Like, so my relationship with time changed my relationship with myself changed. I think I heard things inside my body and my mind that have always kind of been there. And finally they started to come out because you turned down the noise that was taking the place of listening to yourself. Right. And I think it's important to note here, too, that uh, that sense of the noise, I think there is some addiction to that. Um, Sometimes I, I, I remember it was about nine months ago I was in, I, I called it, I felt like I was on fire all the time. Like I always had 10 more things to do than I had time to do them in. Somebody was always waiting for me. At least that was my story, right? 
And I kept myself in that space. And if I ever did find a, an hour, maybe somebody canceled an appointment or something with me. And now I have an hour to myself that I get back. I did not know what to do with that other than to fill it up with more, more activity. Yes. Right. And, and so giving yourself that 30 days and, and I love it that on day two is when you had that realization of my time is my time. Right. I'll get there when I get there. Right. Um, that, that just, it changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was quick. And that was the first of many like uh, moments of awakening. Um, and absolutely we, we really are wired today to be constantly, um, trying to add stimuli. I mean, or I should say the stimuli exists and when it's not there, we crave it because, because I think there's this level of comfortability of constantly just um, filling our heads with with information, and and because we always think that that way we're we're stepping forward, like that hour that somebody canceled or shuffled a, your schedule around, you're you're thinking, and and I think this as, as well all the time of okay, well what what should I do with that hour now to be able to take that 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 leap forward in something. So we're going to fill it with what we think. But really, I think the ultimate point, and, and realistically, this is now um, what I what I, I do with, with Recal, I, I, I believe in the concept of taking a couple of steps back and quieting things down, recalibrating, hence the name Recal, recalibrating things um, so that if if we want to, and if we choose to, when we, when we come back, so to speak, we can take that leap forward, but it, a lot of times it does require that, that few steps backward. It does. Um, and again, it seems somewhat counterintuitive, right? Because again, we're all about the drive, all about, um, you know, our value is in what we're producing. So I got to keep, I got to keep in action. Mm-hmm. And yet when we do give ourselves the permission to turn down the noise and just be quiet and present with ourselves, somehow all of these things, I'll speak from my own perspective, all of these things that I felt like I had to manually do myself Mm -hmm. seems to get done without me having to do everything. Right. It's not, it doesn't mean that I'm being passive. And I think that's a, that's the, the argument that we often give ourselves to justify staying um, inactive uh, in action is, is that if I'm not, well, then that just means I'm passive and I'm just waiting and, and for things to come. I, I think there is a sweet spot in the middle. And it sounds like your, your travel uh, packages helps people find that sweet spot in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, so uh, what, what Recal is all about, we combine, as, as you mentioned, mindfulness with adventure travel um, in a way that is set to help people that are in these positions. They're, they're lost in that grind of modern life. Um, and actually at its core, and it took me a while to be able to find some, some, uh, I mean, you're always like seeking validation or evidence around the thing that you feel, right? I mean, that, that's us, that's me lost up in my, you know, in my brain, um, at times and not just listening to my body. I'm searching for a term or a, a phrase to validate what I'm feeling. Well, I ended up finding one, um, of course, uh, and, and that's called, uh, at, at our foundation at, at Recal, and really the reason why I believe 
the combination of mindfulness and adventure travel out in nature and really an immersive experience in nature can help people that are lost in that modern grind traces back to the concept of the evolutionary mismatch theory. So what, what that states, and there's other terms for it too, because of course I found multiple ones, but a modern human condition is another one. But what the evolutionary mismatch theory states is that yours and my and, and everybody's human bodies, the operating system, so to speak, all the physiological things that happen in our body, those were evolved over thousands and thousands of years in an environment that um, shaped it, molded it. I mean, so we, our bodies kind of constantly optimized to this environment. Um, you know, for example, in that environment, maybe we were hunting and we came across a real threat to our life. In that instant, our heart would race, our metabolism would kick up and we'd start to metabolize glucose and oxygen more quickly because we need to, uh, to have this burst of energy. Our pupils would dilate because we need that focus. We need to be laser focused. Um, you know, we start to sweat a little bit to get ready to, to run, fight, flight, whatever is needed in that moment. That's, that's the sympathetic nervous system. And you fast forward basically out of that environment, those years, thousands of years ago, you fast forward to the world in which, I mean, it's been semi-gradual, uh, but also not at the same time. Um, we moved from a hunter-gatherer type of state to farming cultures. That was a big transition. And then from farming 250 years ago into an industrial age, that was a big transition. And then we just kept plowing on through into this digital age where we're at now with this insane amount of information overload. I mean, I think it is in one day, you and I process more information than our ancestors processed in their entire life in one day. Um, it is it is really crazy to think about. Well, the environments in which we live, not even from an information consumption standpoint, but the houses in which we live in, the climate controlled environments, the four walls, the vehicles, the the sedentary states, the chairs that we sit in, the artificial lighting that we stay under through hours into the night, all these things are actually in contrast or a mismatch with the physiological elements that are inside our body. And therefore, more times than I think we really account for, we are hitting that sympathetic nervous system too too often these days. I mean, our body is running wild with with that upregulated nervous system. And it is, you know, my belief in what we stand for here at Recal and the type of thing that we offer is the ability to get out from the, the, the environment of our, our modern life, go to a place that is more in alignment with our body and the way in which it, it was evolved. And that's why, for example, we focus on, um, our partnership with Quiet Parks International. We go to some of the places in nature that are are deemed the quietest in the world. They have the least amount of human-made noise. So these are the rawest forms of nature that we can go into that's basically left to us these days, given how we've treated our planet. Um, and we, we allow the ability for alignment to take place between the environment and self, uh, our bodies being there. Now that's step one of this process behind what we, we do at Recal. 
Step two is we can lead a horse to water and can't convince them to drink. Of course, um, that type of concept, we can be in these, these beautifully quiet places, immersed in nature. However, our mind can be manufacturing the noise um, that doesn't enable us to be present. So, you know, we can be on a recal trip, for example, say our, our Glacier National Park trip um, the first week of June. We've got people that are, are coming and we're going to lead them into one of the quietest places in continental U.S. However, they are coming with, bringing with them on the trip all of their thoughts, the things that maybe in the past they wish they would have done differently in that meeting the week before. Or maybe they know after this trip's done, there's a big meeting coming up and they're thinking about what they have to do for all of that. So at no point in time on this immersive experience are they actually being present and they're allowing themselves to just feel and have like a sensory experience around this place. So that's why every one of our trips has a recal coach, which is our mindfulness coaches, which help us get us centered. We do things, yes, like a 418 before we go out on a hike. We do a little bit deeper, more immersive breath work as well, more activation style to really quiet that the chatter of the monkey in the mind. And then we get to experience this place and that combination of aligning our bodies being put in this environment, but also our minds being more present in this environment can help with that full recalibration that we're, that we're after. Okay, so in my mind, what I'm thinking about is the oppositional defiant part of me is imagining uh, myself as coming on one of your trips because I buy into the story that that my body needs to be in nature to to recalibrate to some normal functioning for the body. And yet um, uh, these stories that, that I, either I'm telling myself about what's coming up or what has happened, Anthony, you know, the argument that I'm hearing myself say is I can't afford to let those down because if I let that go, I'm not going to either be prepared for what's coming or um, I'm not going to, I don't know what my justification would be, processing, right? I haven't processed what has happened. So I, I need to be thinking about these things to get to these outcomes. What would you say to that part of me that is pushing back? Right. Um, well, that that's the work, right? I guess. I guess that, that comes down to the work. I, I would... I would, I mean, truthfully, I would ask, is, is a trip like this, a total immersive experience like this, is this maybe what you're ready for? I, I actually, I, I wouldn't maybe go down that route of, uh, hey, let's, let's put you out in nature for four days and quiet things down. I don't, I don't, it doesn't sound like if that is, is your state of mind, it doesn't sound like a recal trip maybe is, is, the right thing for you, actually, if you're that far kind of over the edge, so to speak. Um, if that is the case, what I would say is, well, let's, let's take a few smaller bites, um, here and look at, well, how I would ask you, um, you know, do you have a mindfulness practice? Do you, do you meditate? We could just do this even right now. I don't know if you, if you are open to sharing. Sure. Um, I'll play along. Yeah. yeah I, I like this little oppositional side of me is very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, yes, I do have a mindfulness practice that I do probably three to five times a week. That's, that's my oppositional response. 
Beautiful. Uh, I love, I love that. Um, what does that typically entail for you? Is it, uh, do you sit, um, and meditate? Do you do maybe a silent walk in nature or do you journal? I mean, yeah. What does that look like for you? Uh, so for me, it would look primarily like listening to guided meditations. So I have somebody telling me what I should be thinking about or, you know, paying attention to or whatever. So I've got some guidance uh, for that time, because if I don't have that, um, I'm really I'm sitting and I'm being quiet, but my mind's just running amok. Right, right. And then I wonder, like, why did I just give myself 15 minutes to <laughs> let my mind run amok? Because I can let it run amok while I'm doing other things and get stuff done. Right. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. It almost, I think sometimes if, if the meditation doesn't, um, if the meditation goes in that direction, a lot of times we'll get up from the sit and we'll be more stressed out about the things we have to do for the day. Um, and I can absolutely relate to that. Um, well, one of the, one of the things that I would, I would say it'd be twofold. Um, the first one I would say, have you attempted instead of just sitting and being with your thoughts, have you attempted to try to put those down on paper in in a journaling fashion instead of sitting and trying to quiet the thoughts? Have you just thrown them out in, you know, in the form of on paper? You know, I think somebody suggested I try that one time and I did, it never became a habit for me. Okay. Okay. Very good. I was, I was wondering if, uh, if that is something that you do great, no problem. Um, well, here's what I would suggest, um, in, in my experience and in the experience of, of those that I've, I've worked with, if a meditation or that period of the day that you've slotted for mindfulness ends up being too noisy and almost overwhelming, I would classic, I'm going to suggest something that we of course did and that I'm a big proponent of, of course, um, I would maybe try a breathwork session. What the reason why I say that is a breathwork style meditation or just a breathwork session in general, it gives you, um, instead of just trying to quiet the thoughts in your mind, it gives you a physical, um, a physical thing to focus on. And that's the breath. And after actually doing, let's just say like a full few rounds of really deep breathing, um, one of the true physiological effects that happens in our, in our brain is that the calculating ends of our brain, the whole, um, processing operational thinking actually quiets down. This has been shown in, in like in, in, uh, what do you call them? Pet scans, I guess, um, on, on your brain. Um, and what goes, what actually gets stimulated is the higher order cortical areas of our brain, which is more about self-reflection. And that is actually, and even your wavelengths can, can change, um, that you're emitting inside your brain. And, and so what that actually shows is you, you enter a very reflective state and in that reflective state, that's actually much quieter than the processing and operational minded brain. And, and this is just, you know, of course we uh, these days need a lot of science to back our, our feelings and our thoughts and people course for thousands of years have been saying breathwork has that type of effect well we're kind of showing that in in the latest science so with that in mind if a meditation is kind of tough then i would just suggest 
let's just start with a breathwork session and even just doing that once a week or um, just to get things going. And then if you see that you have results there and actually breathwork, if you really were to say, okay, I have some good results on just this, this practice to help me with my, my work and center myself on a regular basis, it sounds like your fear maybe around the full on trip was that it's going to bring up something for you that you don't know how to quote unquote control, which is definitely a scary thought. Breath work does, I mean, specifically some of the uses around that is to bring up, you know, the trauma that maybe you're holding in your body. And so Again, I would probably go a one-on-one set. If you did want to try to maybe bring that up before going out in nature and, and living with people you don't really know that well for a little while and being in a more uncomfortable environment, I would dial that back into a more comfortable environment with maybe one other person, just you and the breathwork practitioner guiding you through this trauma release style breathwork. That could be holotropic. It could be um, rebirthing even. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of different styles of breathwork that could be done there. So that would be, I don't uh, situational play closed. I guess that would be my, that would be my, uh, suggestion. I, I love that. Um, and, and, you know, I think you really hit on that fear of, you know, if I do allow myself to quiet the noise um, what's going to come up for me or is this emotion or is this trauma that I'm afraid I don't know what to do with. So that's my, my belief um, after, you know, doing my own transformation, helping and supporting others through theirs. Um, I think that's our biggest fear. And the more that I can justify keeping the noise up, then I don't have to look at that. But we also know that, uh, well, what I've also learned in all of this is that it, emotions are really energy. It's, I almost often say to my clients and say to myself, this is just energy. It doesn't mean anything unless I give it meaning. This is just energy that needs to flow through me and I needed to allow it to flow through me instead of trying to fight it or resist it or, or, um, you know, oftentimes I think we try to hang on to it because again, keep it contained so that, um, it can't overwhelm. Mm-hmm. So I love knowing that you have some, not only do you, can you create these spaces for us in quiet, where literally as quiet, not just quieter, mm. but it is as quiet as it can possibly be. Um, and then to support that transformation through breath so that when emotions do come up, we can breathe through that and, and we can face that fear, let that go, and then find the freedom that's on the other side of that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and of course now if, if we are talking in terms of somebody that might be ready to take this, you know, more adventurous, maybe still very scary, um, for sure or uncomfortable type of route. Yes. That is the type of structure in the space that we create. And that's really where the role of the recal coach comes in. These are very small groups as well, um, that do this. And we have things like, you know, before the trip we have, um, you know, questionnaires and digesting some of the information of where somebody's at. And then we have a one-on-one with the coach and the person. So they get to know each other. They get a feel for where they're at and um, maybe even have a little bit of a pre-trip sort of plan for you to prepare yourself for the trip. Maybe do some, some breathwork mindfulness journaling. Um, we do send, I, we, we've created here at Recal a Recal journal, which, um, which actually everybody that goes on a trip gets one of those. They get what, if they've signed up, 
in advance of the trip quite a ways, we do send that before the trip so they can start that journaling practice so that they can really prime the pump, so to speak, for this adventure and, and be able to be more comfortable so that when they get there, they can be just open heart, just let it out and, and, and uh, you know, reap hopefully the, the benefits that are there for them on the trip. So let's talk a little bit about some of the specifics. How long are your trips? Uh, where do you go? Uh, what are some of the logistics around that? Yeah. So, um, well, I'll focus on on the quiet trips um, right now. So we've got a quiet park trip series um, in partnership with, like I mentioned, an organization called Quiet Parks International. Um, we're going to two locations this year. The first one is Glacier National Park, as I mentioned. Um, that one is June 2nd to 6th. So maybe actually when this is airing, we're, we're maybe done or not. Um, uh, so that one, we're doing things like glamping. It is truly a glorified version of camping. We're staying in these nice like uh, cabins near the mountains. We're spending one night overnight in one of the quietest places in the U.S. actually um, and camping under the dark skies and doing some breathwork and silent hikes and things like that in, in this specific area. Um, we're also e-biking on the Going to the Sun Road right through the heart of the National Park during a time where vehicles are actually closed from going on that road. So you don't have the vehicular traffic and the, the mass tourists kind of going through or the sounds of, of cars and whatnot. So again, focus on quiet there. So that's one example of, of one of our trips. Um, another one is we're going to the Boundary Waters Canoe Area in northern Minnesota. Um, so that one, a bit more uh, adventurous, definitely more rugged version of, of a trip. This is, we are going into the wilderness. We're camping and canoeing our way for um, three, four days. Um, again, all of it's guided. So, you know, nobody needs to have experience in navigation around these things. They don't have to plan out where they're going or, or what campsites they're staying at. Everything is is truly navigationally guided. And then on top of that, it's also guided from a coaching standpoint and a mindfulness guide as well. Um, and uh, the other couple of trips we have, we're going to the Ho Rainforest in Olympic National Park, south of Seattle area. That's a backpacking trip. One of the most beautiful places in, in the country. Um, we also have a dark sky series where we do some desert camping under dark skies in the Anza Borrego Desert in California. So as you can see, we tie our trips to A, to a theme, but a theme that's tied to nature, a, a unique place in nature for us based on the difference in the environments in which we typically live in versus the environments in which our bodies were kind of raised in. So dark skies, our human bodies have experienced dark skies for thousands of years. We pack that DNA here in this operating system, but we don't get to experience that very much anymore. Same with quiet and just the natural sounds of the forest and the birds and the bugs and the, and the, the loons in, in the boundary waters. Um, you know, the moose, I mean, whatever, all the sounds, the leaves in the trees. I mean, I can go on a walk, you know, here where I live in Minneapolis and I don't hear a single leaf because there's cars whizzing by, you know, it's, so, so those we, we get out from the environment, and so all of our trips have have uh, a theme that's tied to uh, an environment in which we kind of were raised in, so to speak. Love that. 
coming back to our um, where our bodies feel at home. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yep, that's exactly I love right. That. Anthony, is there anything else about these trips that um, the listener needs to know before they uh, look you up and find you? Yeah. Um, is there anything else that they need to know? Um, well, if, if they have interest, hopefully we can answer some questions specifically. The one thing that that I would acknowledge, um, and and we've we've learned this even so far, and these types of trips we understand and acknowledge they are a moment in time for people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like we're not trying to package something that's the burnout cure, the burnout remedy here in this four day trip. All you got to do is show up a, they're not easy necessarily. So this is not the route of a wellness vacation. We're not going to a spa. We're not getting pampered. We're not getting a massage. Those are all great in, in their own setting. And and for people that, that are needing that, this swings a little bit in the other direction where it leans into the uncomfortable nature, um, of yourself uncovering some things. This is actually more seeking the discomfort. And I think that through that discomfort is where the growth can definitely happen. So that is certainly what would we believe. Um, but we're not here selling something that's quote unquote easy or relaxing. Um, so that'd be like the first thing, but then also to, to my point initially, which is that these are a temporary time. Um, you know, there is work maybe to be done before the trip. And then after the trip's done, we do provide resources for people hopefully to continue with maybe the journaling practice that, that they picked up on a trip. Um, and we do that through our, our journal. We've, we have three months at a time modules that we can send, you know, to refill the pages of the journal. It's like a six ring binder type of, of journal. So that's one way. Another way is we've got consistent breathwork classes that we put out there for people to be able to join on a consistent basis. Um, resources around mindfulness. Um, we're, we're doing a, uh, a mastermind group as well in, in, in the future too, that kind of has all sorts of pillars of, of what we stand for reconnecting with nature and um, I don't know, conscious capitalism is actually a, a big part of, of it as well. So I think that kind of relates to this. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot of, of other resources as well that, that we're bringing to the table for people that go on a trip. We understand this is not just a quick fix type of thing. I really appreciate you pointing that out um, and setting that expectation. Um, because I think the, the kinds of changes that we're talking about here, um, they don't happen overnight. Right. Not that they can't, but they often don't. Um, and, you know, kind of, kind of going back to our story that we were talking about earlier about what is the destination and where am I at on this path toward that desired destination and being um, happy and satisfied with where I am on this path right now. Yep. Yeah. So thank you for, for your creativity. Thank you for leaning into your purpose when you had other uh, options uh, that you could have moved into. Probably would have cost you, I think, at some point uh, to, to continue on that path. So I appreciate it. I'm, again, I'm grateful that you listened to that uh, longing within your own heart um, and you aligned with your purpose. 
uh, to create these spaces for us to help reconnect with ourselves so that we can show up and be our best, whether it's for our business or our family or our health or, or our finances, any and all of those things. So once again, thank you. Before we go, tell people where they can find you. Sure. Yeah. No. And thank you. I really do appreciate you saying that as well. Um, I, I also am grateful for, like I mentioned, maybe not the ability to have listened to my body, but some of those external factors that are out there, which at the time seemed like the worst thing that could have happened to me. Now I am very grateful that those things happened. And so that type of perspective I think is, um, I don't know, it helps fuel me today. And I think, It's uh, hopefully if someone's out there kind of going through some of that now, while it's hard to see that maybe in the moment, I think there will come a time in the future where hopefully they'll have um, some clarity and find peace with some of those things that that maybe are are going on in their life. Um, So where someone can find me. uh, So from a company perspective, Recal Travel is pretty much the handle on anything that we do. We are a little bit new in 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 the game of of Instagram. It's a little bit counterintuitive to preach quieting the noise, yet you're on Instagram. So I struggled with that for a while of whether or not to invest in that platform. But go where the people are, and and we want to reach as many people as possible through what we do. Um, and so we committed to doing it quote unquote, finally. Um, so recal travel is, is the handle on, on the Instagram and the Facebook and, um, and LinkedIn is a, is a good platform. We, we do quite a bit on LinkedIn as well. We run Monday morning breathwork sessions every Monday morning at seven fifteen Eastern six fifteen AM, um, central time. Um, so we do a live stream and if you miss that, you can definitely do the recordings. That's a, a kind of a special offering from us, from me specifically, and also all of our recal coaches kind of circle through as well and, and do a breathwork session there. Those are live streamed on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, kind of all the platforms. For me personally, if, um, I don't know why you'd think this, but if you thought I was cool or thought I had something nice to offer out in the world, um, you can follow me as, as well. Anthony LaRubio, um, is, is my, my, my handle on, on Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Uh, Anthony spelled the quote unquote, um, regular way. And then LaRubio is spelled L O R U B B I O kind of a unique one there. Thanks to my Italian, um, ancestors for that one. So, yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm sorry that I, I stumble over it, but it's a beautiful name. <laughs> no, no, I no issue whatsoever. I, lo- I love that. No. <laughs> we got there. All right. We did. We did. Well, once again, thank you so much for sharing this uh, with us and for being a part of the Conscious uh, Preneur conversation. Yes, absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high-achieving, impact-focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction, all rolled up into a community-driven, inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. 
After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.